This week's Escape Pod is brought to you by Audible.com. More details after the story. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash escapepod. Escape Pod. 196. April 23rd, 2009. Today's story... Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. As I mentioned last week, we're continuing our monkey run. No, I wait, I mean our Hugo nominee run. Okay, it's both. I don't know if this is an example of tropes bubbling up in the genre, the way horror suddenly gets a run of zombie or vampire fiction. I think it's more that these just happen to be two really good stories about monkeys. We do strive for diversity at Escape Pod. After running pieces like Astro Monkeys and Barnaby in Exile, I think we can hardly be called anti-primate. I do have to note that we're still somewhat short on gorilla fiction, but we're racing to close the gap on early hominid fiction. Look for some excellent Neanderthal-themed stories to come your way soon. In the meantime, we're proud to present Evil Robot Monkey, by Mary Robinette Cole. Miss Cole, who appeared here recently with her moving story Chrysalis, was last year's Campbell Award winner for Best New Writer. In addition to being a fabulous writer, she's a professional puppeteer and voice actor. She'll also be at PenguinCon next week, nudge nudge, penguincon.org, where I'll be fortunate enough to be on a panel with her about performing fiction and audio. This story first appeared in the Solaris Book of New Science Fiction, Volume 2. I have to say, by the way, that the Solaris anthologies are uniformly excellent. This piece is a bit on the short side. In ordinary circumstances, we would probably run it as Flash, but Hugo nominee. That's plenty to get it promoted. Incidentally, you can also listen to an excellent audio recording of the author reading this piece at her website, maryrobinetcowell.com. So please, no Flash photography, and do not feed or taunt the narrator. It's story time. Evil Robot Monkey by Mary Robinette Cole Sliding his hands over the clay, Sly relished the moisture oozing around his fingers. The clay matted down the hair on the back of his hands, making them look almost human. He turned the potter's wheel with his prehensile feet as he shaped the vase. Pinching the clay between his fingers, he lifted the wall of the vase, spinning it higher. Someone banged on the window of his pen. Sly jumped and then screamed as the vase collapsed under its own weight. He spun and hurled it at the picture window like feces. The clay spattered against the plexiglass, sliding down the window. In the courtyard beyond the glass, a group of school kids leapt back, laughing. One of them swung his arms, aping Sly crudely. Sly bared his teeth, knowing these people would take it as a grin, but he meant it as a threat. Swinging down from his stool, he crossed his room in three long strides and pressed his dirty hand against the window. Still grinning, he wrote S.S.A. Outside, the letters would be reversed. The student's teacher flushed as red as a female in heat and called the children away from the window. She looked back once as she led them out of the courtyard, so Sly grabbed himself and showed her what he would do if she came into his pen. 
Her naked face turned brighter red, and she hurried away. When they were gone, Sly rested his head against the glass. The metal in his skull thunked against the window. It wouldn't be long now before a handler came to talk to him. Damn. He just wanted to make pottery. He loped back to the wheel and sat down again with his back to the window. Kicking the wheel into movement, Sly dropped a new ball of clay in the center and tried to lose himself. In the corner of his vision, the door to his room snicked open. Sly let the wheel spin to a halt, crumpling the latest face. Vern poked his head through. He signed, You okay? Sly shook his head emphatically and pointed at the window. Sorry, Vern's hands danced. We should have warned you they were coming. You should have told them I was not an animal. Vern looked down in submission. I did. They're kids. And I'm a chimp, I know. Sly buried his fingers in the clay to silence his thoughts. It was Delilah. She thought you wouldn't mind because the other chimps didn't. Sly scowled and yanked his hands free. I'm not like the other chimps. He pointed to the implant in his head. Maybe Delilah should have one of these. Seems like she needs help thinking. I'm sorry. Vern knelt in front of Sly, closer than anyone else would have come when he wasn't sedated. It would be so easy to reach out and snap his neck. It was a lousy thing to do. Sly pushed the clay around on the wheel. Vern was better than the others. He seemed to understand the hellish limbo where Sly lived. Too smart to be with other chimps, but too much of an animal to be with humans. Vern was the one who had brought Sly the potter's wheel, which, by the earth and trees, Sly loved. Sly looked up and raised his eyebrows. So what did they think of my show? Vern covered his mouth, masking his smile. The man had manners. The teacher was upset about the, quote, evil robot monkey. Sly threw his head back and hooted. Served her right. But Delilah thinks you should be disciplined. Vern, still so close that Sly could reach out and break him, stayed very still. She wants me to take the clay away since you used it for an anger display. Sly's lips drew back in a grimace built of anger and fear. Rage threatened to blind him, but he held on, clutching the wheel. If he lost it with Vern, rational thought danced out of his reach. Panting, he spun the wheel, trying to push his anger into the clay. The wheel spun. Clay slid between his fingers. Soft, firm, and smooth. The smell of earth lived in his nostrils. He held the world in his hands. Turning, turning, the walls rose around a kernel of anger, subsuming it. His heart slowed with the wheel, and Sly blinked, becoming aware again as if he were slipping out of sleep. The vase on the wheel still seemed to dance with life. Its walls held the shape of the world within them. He passed a finger across the rim. Vern's eyes were moist. Do you want me to put that in the kiln for you? Sly nodded. I have to take the clay. You understand that, don't you? Sly nodded again, staring at his vase. It was beautiful. Vern scowled. The woman makes me want to hurl feces. Sly snorted at the image, then sobered. How long before I get it back? Vern picked up the bucket of clay next to the wheel. I don't know. 
he stopped at the door and looked past Sly to the window. I'm not cleaning your mess. Do you understand me? For a moment, rage crawled on his spine, but Vern did not meet his eyes and kept staring at the window. Sly turned. The vase he had thrown lay on the floor in a pile of clay. Clay. I understand. He waited until the door closed, then loped over and scooped the clay up. It was not much, but it was enough for now. Sly sat down at his wheel and began to turn. And that was our story. Very little commentary from me, just wondering how many people with intelligence and creative flair come to this genre or join the SF community at large specifically because the rest of the world wants to see you as, well, as an evil robot monkey. I felt this way myself sometimes. Being understood by just one person sometimes is the only thing you need to keep going. But let's get happier. First, we're sponsored this week by Audible.com. They're the Internet's largest provider of spoken word audio, with over 40,000 titles to choose from. We're on a roll here, so I want to pitch the newest book from one of my favorite authors. Matt Ruff tends to reinvent every genre he sticks his hand in. He's had my heart since Sewer, Gas, and Electric, and Fool on the Hill. His latest, Bad Monkeys, is a twisty take on spy thrillers. Jane Charlotte works for a clandestine organization that sees all and maintains all of the world's order. Her department's mission is to take out evil people, the so-called bad monkeys. She has a natural causes gun that shoots brain aneurysms and heart attacks. And she and her team could be anywhere, watching anyone. That, or she's just insane. It's a head-tripping story that gets a little weirder with every chapter. Just the way I like it. You can get it as your free download from Audible.com if you sign up for their free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash escapepod. Even if you cancel your subscription, you still get to keep the book, so you still win. Again, that URL is audiblepodcast.com slash escapepod. And here's another convention promo. Hey, it's a short enough episode. We've got time. Imagine a giant circus that runs around the clock and features ring after ring of attractions for fans of science fiction, art, science, and new media. Wouldn't you want to run away to that circus? Now you can, because this very show, which goes by the name of Balticon, is coming to Marriott's Hunt Valley Inn, just north of Baltimore on Memorial Day weekend. From May 22nd to 25th, you can join over a thousand other fans in a huge celebration. Charles Strauss, one of science fiction's hottest writers, will be there. As will Kurt Miller, whose covers have graced many science fiction novels, and renowned singer Mary Crowell. And you can spend time with all of them. Love art? Go to the art show and view work by some of science fiction's masters. And if you fall for a piece, you can buy it. Interested in film or anime? Rooms with both are always available. Care to play a game? From tabletop games to live-action role-playing, gamers are ready for you to join in. Like to dress up? Join one of the best and largest costume contests on the East Coast. Want to laugh? Attend the special spoken word and comedy performance. Interested in new media? 
Balticon features the longest-running, best, and largest new media track available anywhere, with some of the most famous names in podcasting and webcomics. This year, attending a special guest of honor, is New York Times best-selling author Scott Sigler, the first author to release a novel in podcast-only form. Come meet him! For more information, drop by our website, www.balticon.org, or listen to our podcast at www.balticonpodcast.org. to be at Balticon? It's my favorite podcaster gather of the year. And here's an announcement. If you could make it to Balticon, but you're still on the fence about it, this year we'll be doing our first live escape pod episode with a full cast and the five-part harmony. It's going to be fun. Again, that's Memorial Day weekend in Baltimore. And check out Balticon.org for more details. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. All of the rights are reserved by our authors. If you like this week's story, please tell a friend or blog about us. And if you can, we hope you'll consider making a donation via the PayPal link at our site, escapepod.org, so that we can continue supporting our authors. Also check out our sister podcasts, Pseudopod for Horror and Podcastle for Fantasy, both at their .org domains. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. Our special closing monkey music... Well, the obvious choice would have been De-Evolving by Jonathan Colton, but everyone knows Colton, and I feel like a different sort of energy. So we'll finish our monkey run with Simple Simeon by George Robb, played by prior permission. You can hear more of his music at geologicrecords.net. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from the Mauritian writer and aphorist Malcolm de Chazal. He said, Monkeys are superior to men in this. When a monkey looks into a mirror... He sees a monkey. We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun. Washing up, 
Ah, 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 ah,